Welcome to the Prophecy Club. This is part three of the judgment seat of Christ versus the great white throne. Now, that's where I want to get. But the problem is, if you don't understand the feast, then we can't go there. So I'm going to take some time. We're going to do several broadcasts. We're going to do a series here so we can ultimately get to where you can understand the judgment seat of Christ versus the great white throne. Now, you may be saying, well, why do I need to understand that? Well, that is the biggest misunderstanding in Revelation, and that's part of the reason so many people misunderstand about the whole time of, of things toward the end and the rapture, because they don't understand this. So we're going to go there. Again, this is part three. This is a video I'm actually making. So if you're listening to this, please, I know this going to be crazy sounding. Nobody ever tells anyone to, to stop listening. But if you can, if you're listening on a device where you can back up, then please stop here and go back and start listening to part one and then go to part two and then come to part three. That way you're going to understand this. If you miss part one and two, I can tell you right now, this is going to go over your head unless you're really familiar with the feasts. And even if you're familiar with the feasts, probably go over your head because there's some things that God showed me that you probably don't know. You need to watch part one and two. And the name of those two particular videos are Judgment Seat of Christ versus Great White Throne 1, dated 5-13 of 2020, and 2, dated 5-14 of 2020. So stop here and go back and watch those two. Now, we're going to continue on then. So what you're looking at is a completed chart, which with the prophecies, tied to the feasts. But we're not going to get to the prophecies immediately. I'm going to do a very quick refresher on the feasts. So there are seven feasts that we're talking about. One, Passover. Two, unleavened bread. Three, first fruits. Four, Pentecost. Five is trumpets, the day of the Lord. And then 10 days later is atonement. And then finally, tabernacles. Here is your refresher on the feast. So the Passover this was the day that the death angel passed over, and anyone that didn't have blood on the doorpost, the firstborn was killed in that household. This is the day that Pharaoh called in Moses and told him to get out. They didn't have their bread leavened yet, so they put their leavening cross on their shoulders, and they walked out. That was the beginning of unleavened bread. Three days later, they arrived at the crossing site of the Red Sea. This is first fruits. First fruits is a picture of changing from the old to the new changing from death to life, changing from the sin of Egypt to the promised land that God was going to take them to. First fruits is also, uh, let me back up here, also Passover was the day that Jesus was crucified in the afternoon, had to be in the grave before sundown, and then he was in the heart of the earth for three days. He arose on first fruits. Some other people arose out of the grave on first fruits with him. Then, 50 days later, is Pentecost. Now, we talked about this yesterday, but I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to brief, briefly refresh your memory on that. So the first fruits is where they were told to wave a sheaf of, of barley, which is a handful that makes a cake about the size of a large cookie. And then they waved that before the Lord, and they also sacrificed, this is important, a he lamb with that blemish of the first year. Then the fulfillment of the tying the, the prophecies to this then when Jesus, Revelation 14, 1, the next time he returns, not to Mount of Olives, not as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this is when he returns as the Lamb. Here's where it says, Revelation 14, 1, I looked and lo, a Lamb 
not king of kings, not lion or tribe of Judah. A lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. That's not, not the Mount of Olives. That's the 30-minute walk from Mount of Olives. And 144,000 are resurrected. This is Jesus still in the lamb body. Those 144,000 then follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. The fir word first fruits is the word that is the secret door. This first fruits matches with Leviticus 23, 9 first fruits. And that's the secret door. When you line that up, then all of a sudden the rest of the prophecies of Revelation can then also be understood. Now, I can't explain all that in detail here on the video. You've got to get the book. That's one of the things that God spoke to me in one of the visions. Some things cannot, this was news to me, cannot be learned by video or audio. Some things have to be read to allow them to soak in. It's news to me again, but they, they have to be read. That's the reason he told me to put it in a book. So although I'm trying to bring this to you by audio and video, you're not going to get it. You're going to have to get the book. You can't cut corners on this. It's very important stuff here. This is, this is kingdom business, okay? Kingdom business. All right, so, and they make it to heaven, but they're, they make it to heaven because there was no fault in their mouth. There was no fault before the throat of God. There was no guile in their mouth. And they made it to heaven because they had they were only one year old. This is part of it. It says, they follow the lamb whithersoever he goeth. But if you go back here, it was a he lamb, uh, blemish without blemish of the first year. So there were 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. And this is the midnight cry. At midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. So when we see Jesus and 144,000 one-year-old Israeli Jews, I don't know if they're going to be in a one-year-old body or a mature body. I don't know. But when we see them on Mount Zion, we know absolutely positively this is the year that Jesus will return. We know that approximately seven months later on trumpets, he will return as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Notice he's still a lamb. He's still in the same body that Jesus uh, was allowed Thomas to touch for the nail scars. He's same body that he ate fish with the disciples in. That's the reason Acts one eleven, you mean of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall, show come, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Same body, probably the same clothes even. Now, let's go to the next one, a brief refresher. So this is Pentecost. Fifty days later, this is where they wave now two loaves of two-tenth deals of fine wheat flour. first one was barley representing Jews. The next one is the flour or the wheat flour representing those that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. What are these arrayed and what robes whence came they? I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. These are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God and served him day and night in his temple. That's us. That's what it's talking about. Means there's two loaves, means there's Jews, there's Gentiles. Two loaves about the size of a medium to large size watermelon made out of two-tenth deals of flour. It's also important to remember that they were told not to make a clean riddance of the corners of the field, meaning not everyone is going to be harvested. That's the nations. We're going to try to get to that today. Now, there's your refresher. Now, let's go on. Now, let's go to what happens on Pentecost. So, on Pentecost, those two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, washed in the blood of Jesus, then go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The barley and the wheat both go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the completion of, 
Let me think about this. Yes, this is the completion of the first resurrection. The first resurrection representing the people that came out of the grave when Jesus came out of the grave 2,000 years ago upon his resurrection. The second group is also the first, the first fruits, 144,000. And the third group are the, the two loaves of Jews and Gentiles that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. These are the ones that get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Jesus appears there, he's still a lamb. He, this is his coronation. He has not been crowned yet. However, it is not about us. The marriage supper of the Lamb is about the groom in this case. We, the bride, only get two things. When we arrive, actually, when we come out of the grave, and I'll explain to you that I do not think living people get to go there, and I'll explain to you why in just a second. So if you want to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, you've got to be dead by then. Probably there's not going to be a problem with that. <laughs> Beast is going to see to that. But anyway, uh, we get a wedding garment and a white horse about four months later on trumpets when we return with Jesus for Armageddon. We'll get to that. So anyway, the bride, that's us, get a wedding garment, four months later, white horse. Jesus, however, changes. Here he goes there as the Lamb of God. but when he gets there, he is changed from the Lamb of God to the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is getting, giving a, uh, a, 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 a vesture dipped in his own blood. You remember when uh, Mary went to the, 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 the sepulcher and said to the, what she thought was the gardener, Sir, where have you laid his body? And Jesus said, Mary. And she recognized him, said, Rabboni. He said, Don't touch me, for I have not ascended to the Father yet, meaning he had to ascend to heaven to dip those same clothes, not the ones he's wearing now, okay, but his, his wedding garment that he would wear on the day of his wedding, he would dip those clothes in his sacrificed blood. That's the reason he says he's given many crowns, a vesture dipped in, white, in, in blood, and a white horse. And that's when he comes forth and serves us. Then, about four months later, after the resurrection, the first resurrection, that is all of the first resurrection. Then about four months later, we return on the white horses with him for Armageddon. And I'll explain that in just a second. So it's about four months later. Now, Stan, why do you say that the living don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Because in Re this is the, the Pentecost here is talking about Revelation 14.1. Back up here, okay? This Revelation 14.1, when Jesus appears upon Mount Zion, and then 50 days later is Pentecost. Then in verse 13, Revelation 14, 13, it says, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. That is indirectly saying that the people that are alive moving forward, their works still follow them. So I take that to be a hint. It could be differently, and no big deal if it isn't. Okay, if the living get to go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'm happy with that too. But it appears that the living don't get to go. That's the reason he said, blessed are the die and the dead that die in the Lord henceforth. So it could be that the living, but I'm just saying it appears to me that the dead get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is Revelation 7, 9. After this beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, out of all nations, kindreds, and people, 
and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands. Now, I know some people try to point to this palms in their hands and say, oh, no, no, that's talking about another feast. I don't think so. I think that's a picture of you and I at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to be there. I want to see my king change from lamb to lion. I want to see him change from prince to the kings of the earth to the king of kings and lord of lords. I want to be there. So I don't want to live all the way to the end. I want to at least have died by then. And I don't fear death because I know who my Lord and Savior holds the keys of hell and death. That means he decides who dies when they die, how they die. He decides who goes to heaven and what the rewards are. It's all he is the righteous judge. And since he's my Lord and Savior, I don't fear death. I know he is going to take care of me in death. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Then Revelation seventeen fourteen says, These are they which came out of great tribulation, washed the robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth upon the throne should dwell among them. Now, not everybody gets this blessing. These are the people that probably are the overcomers. They get all the overcomer blessings. These are the people that get to see him. Well, let me finish reading. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun the light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Then let's go to Revelation 19.6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. This is us in heaven. A great multitude, as it were, the voice of many waters, as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. That's us. Jesus is getting crowned. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife, that's us, has made herself ready. There is granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Saints, in other words, the wedding garment. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Again, it's not just the ones that are resurrected on Pentecost. It also includes the barley. It also includes the people that came out of the graves when Jesus came out of the graves some 2,000 years ago. First the resurrection, such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Why do they reign for only a thousand years? Because the people they reign over in the nations are only here for a thousand years. We'll get to that in just a second. Then if you go to Matthew 25:10. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in to him with the marriage. Didn't say whether they're dead or alive. Just said they were that are ready, went into the marriage. I believe that the only ones that get to go into the marriage are those people that are ready and are dead because it is a resurrection. All right, now let's go on to the next. This ties together with Levit- Leviticus twenty-three twenty-three. In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a, blow- a blowing of trumpets. Again, for the most part, the trumpets is not for the Jews. It's for the people that are washed in the blood of the Lamb. And that's the reason it has blowing of trumpets, an offering made unto the Lord by fire. That is the burning of the tares. If you go to Matthew twenty four thirty one, it says, And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds of heaven, from one end of heaven to the other. That's this trumpet. Then you jump to one of the rapture verses. And this is why so many people can't figure out the rapture. It's telling them when the rapture takes place. It's telling them it's not a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath. It's telling them when it is. It's just that they don't understand the feasts, so they don't see it. So here it is. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. Behold, I show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die by the time Jesus returns. Most of us, but not all of us. We, and we shall be changed, meaning that out of our belly flows rivers of living water. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, this is the seventh trump or the last trump, and this is what it's saying. At the moment, last trump, for the trumpet shall sound. It just said, the seventh, seventh trumpet. I mean, I don't understand why it can be so complicated. It says very clearly, the last trump. I wish it said the seventh trump. It would have made it a lot clearer, but it didn't. It said the last trump. But if Jesus wants to ask me, I would say, yeah, change that word last to say the seventh. <laughs> that would have eliminated so much trouble. But it says the last trump, the seventh trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised. Incorruptible means that they are no longer going to sin. They will never die again, ever, ever, ever. The trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. That's when we get our glorified body. That's when Jesus returns. That's when we get our crowns, our mantles. All rewards are handed out then at the last trump. Again, I wish he just said seventh trump. He didn't bother asking me, but I would have said it that way. Then we jump to the other rapture verse. Clear up this thing. First Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump. Again, it would have been nice if he had said the seventh trump, but they didn't put that in there. But that's what he's talking about. With the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And it happens here on trumpets, right, right here. This is the great harvest. Then we jump to Revelation ten seven. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, that's the seventh trump, when he should begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he has declared unto his servants the prophets. Then we jump to Matthew thirteen thirty. This ought to clear up all questions about the rapture. Matter of fact, I'm writing a book on the rapture, and I think I'm going to be able to explain some things. I'm not going to go at it trying to prove to you scripturally only that this is where the rapture is, but I'm also going to explain to you why the church doesn't accept it. And, but again, you'll, it'll be an awesome book. You'll have to get the book. So Matthew thirteen thirty clears this all up. It says, let both grow together until the harvest. Well, what's the harvest? Jesus said, Matthew 24, the harvest is the end of the world. It's not the beginning. It's not the middle. It's not close to the end. It is the end. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, and he says in another place, the reapers are the angels, gather you first the tares. We know that the tares grow among the wheat. So the tares are representing the sinners. Tares, bind them into bundles or cities to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. The wheat is us, those people that are washing the blood of Jesus into the barn. The barn is the new Jerusalem. So everything fits. Now let's talk about what happens on this day. Now let's look at Revelation 6.12. And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal. This is probably only a, a few days or actually on the day of, of, well, I guess it's 72 hours before Jesus returns. And there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Now, if I have my chart, and I think I do. Yes, I do. Okay. Here's where this is talking about it. This takes place on the fourth vial. Now, remember, the seals play over seven years. The trumpets play over seven months. 
the vials play over the last seven days. So this, the, the sun gets seven times hotter, scorches men with fire. Then on the fifth vial, the sun goes out and the beast's kingdom is full of darkness. That's what it's talking about. So that is about 72 hours before the Feast of Trumpets here. So let's back up and look at that again now. So the sun becomes black as sackcloth of hair. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth as a fixed tree, casting earth untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll. Now that's actually important. In another video I've explained that, that the way this thing worked is there was eternity, was, which was darkness. And then God, Genesis says that God moved upon the face of the waters. No sun, no earth yet. The first thing is, I believe, he gathered the waters from the planets surrounding the earth. Then he said, let there be light. There was a great explosion. I don't exactly understand how that works. I'm not going to try to explain it right now. But anyway, so then eternity, which is darkness, created time. And when time is no more, which is on trumpets on this day, you see right here where it says time is no longer. Then we see eternity entering into time. That's the, 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 the darkness. That's heaven departing as a scroll. So if we were on earth at that day, we looked up, it would literally look that this dark cloud, woe to those that desire the day of the Lord, for it is not a day of light, but of darkness, thick clouds and darkness and all that. So it will be darkness entering in with clouds, not white clouds, but dark clouds. And eternity, darkness, enters in to time. So when he says, heaven departs as a scroll, it means time is ending. When it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Why? Because he is doing away with the old heaven and the old earth. He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's when every high place, well, every mountain falls, every mountain and hill uh, falls, and every, um, let me quote it right. I think it's uh, Isaiah 40, I keep forgetting the exact number. Isaiah 40, verse 4, I think it is. And it says that the, uh, the low places are exalted, every valley exalted, and the, every hill and mountain are made low, the crooked places are made straight, the rough places are made smooth, or round. There's no more sun, or excuse me, there's no more sun, there's no more uh, sea. The earth is a nice, round, smooth ball. That's what's happening. This is the end of the earth. And heaven departed as a scroll when it was rolled together in every mountain and island removed out of the places. And the kings of the earth that are now hiding down in their underground caverns, and the great men of the rich men of the chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? This is the day of the Lord. And it fits in here. Okay, so the tribulation starts with the opening of the first seal. The seals last for seven years. Then the trumpets last for seven months. The vials play over the last seven days. Trumpets is the day we're talking about now. That's the day that Jesus returns. Ten days later is atonement, and then five days later is tabernacles, and we will continue this tomorrow. So in conclusion, let me encourage you to do a couple of things. 
I've been called of God to raise up an army of prophecy teachers working miracles. And the way we're going to do that is from July 29 to August 2, here in Dallas, we're going to have the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. And this is what we want to do. There's a lot of things we're going to do. Get you filled with the Holy Spirit, lay hands, but basically the two biggest things we want to do. I want to lay hands on you and anoint you with uh, oil. <laughs> this is yellow crude oil, so we won't put crude oil on you, but we do. <laughs> I thought I had some oil laid right there. Anyway, well, I'll lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and I'll pray that you get the revelation spirit that I got when I memorized the book of Revelation, as confirmed by Andre Bronkhorst. He said, I have that gift, and I can pass it on. Leslie also will anoint you with honor oil and pray that you receive a prophetic gifting so that you can hear the voice of God. And also she's going to walk you through her school of the prophets. I'm going to teach you how to understand Bible prophecy and the two prophecy charts. Why? Because when the trouble hits, there's going to be a lot of people that are looking for answers. And God is going to send them to you. And you want to be able to give them an answer about prophecy. You want to be able to walk in sevenfold miracles because a great time <clears throat> like mankind has never seen, is about to come upon the earth. That happens at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusades. Go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and get signed up. And by the way, when you get signed up, please stay at the Hyatt. It helps us to form the crusade. Besides that, you probably don't have time to go other places. And also get the meal package. It's a good deal. It's a good deal. helps us put the thing together. Also, <clears throat> if you are thinking about getting some kind of precious metals, gold, silver, platinum, rhodium, whatever it might be. This guy is a prophecy student. Cornerstone Asset Metals, Terry Saka, and he he wants to get the word out. So what better place to be able to get your precious metals than cornerstoneassetmetals.com? Tell them Prophecy Club sent you. Also, <clears throat> let me ask you two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important question, important, important information in the world, but you knew they wouldn't believe you? Well, if you're listening right now, probably you'd say, I'll tell them anyway. Okay, that brings us to the second question. What is the most important information in the world? Well, the most important information to do is to accept Jesus. The most important thing not to do <clears throat> is do not take the mark of the beast. Absolutely, positively, do not take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, you cannot repent of it. So let me explain. There's actually four things we do not want to do. We do not want to worship the beast or his image. If you look over to the left, in other words, we do not bend the knee. We do not worship the beast or his image. And then there's three stamps that we can take. We do not take the mark. We do not take the name of the beast or the number of his name. Do not do any of those. If you do that, there's three groups of people. When everything's said and done, the first group of people are those people whose name is in the book of life. They go to heaven, eternity. Second, if their name is not in the book of life, they're tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone, and they get soul death. They will be as though they had not been. The third group of people are those people who take the mark, and this is the scriptures where it's talking about it, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up day and night, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast, or his image, or whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So you do not want to take the mark of the beast. But then there's nine deceptions that the devil is about to bring on the world. And in this book, Miss the Mark, I explain those deceptions. See, he's not coming after the Muslims. He's not coming after the Buddhists. He's not coming after the Satanists. He's, he's coming after us. 
He's coming after those people that have read Revelation 13. We are the number one enemy. The Bible says if it were possible, it would deceive even the very elect. But what I suggest you do is you get this book, and the first thing you do is read it. It's a simple book. Take you about three hours to read it. Not bad at all. But then when you read this, this is what people are saying. They get motivated. They go out and hand it out. So how do you get someone to read it? I suggest you ask them the two questions. What would you do if you had to tell someone the most important information in the world? And what is the most important information in the world? And hand them this book. Oh, they may not read it right then, but it's okay. Because down the road, you still handed it to them. At some point, you'll be able to talk to them or be able to hand them that book. That's extremely important. You get that at prophecyclub.com, one for $20, but don't do that. We offer them in shrink wrap sets of 10. One set of 10, 30. Two sets of 10, 45. Four sets for $40. This is what we believe is the mark of the beast. Either a yellow one or a red one or either one. We're not certain of the colors. But we now have three people that confirm that this is what it looks like. Ken Peters and Estonia Lewis. I played her on the radio last week. And there's another guy, Adam uh, Andrew Harris, that also says, and he sent me a signed piece of paper, draw it out what he saw, and this is what he saw too. So we've actually got three people saying that's what the mark of the beast looks like. This is what it looks like on the hand or the forehead. This is what it looks like if it's the number of the beast. The number of the beast looks like a swirl, and that means 666. Next thing is, Back in about 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation, and I started getting revelations. I got 30 revelations and two visions and an audible voice, which I put in the book. One of the visions showed me <clears throat> that there is a secret door that links the Feast of Leviticus 23 to the prophecies of Revelation 14.4, specifically the prophecies of Revelation. But the word is first fruits. And when you link those two together, for the first time, you can put the prophecies in Revelation in correct chronological order. See, they're, they're not written in chronological order. So this is actually, this book is the key to understanding the prophecies of Revelation. That's why the name is The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. If you want to understand Bible prophecy, this book is a must. Not complicated, but it is deep. One prophetic word said it this way. There's a lock I put over a word of the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. And it will turn many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Now, one for 20, but don't do that either. Five for 30, 10 for 55. You get a case for of 60 for $250. You get the books at prophecyclub.com. Now, if you want to go to heaven, here's the way you get there. John 3.16 says you can have everlasting life. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, so it says it's a grace or it is by grace or a free get, gift to get eternal life. And then we need to confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead. Pray with me and I'll see you in heaven. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner and I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ. Died on the cross, arose three days later, His blood washes me and my sins away, writes my name in the book of life, and keeps me holy and saves me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Send us a note and let us know that you just prayed that. Ask Stan at prophecyclub.com.